worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. And welcome to a new issue podcast numbering of Zach on Film, as we take a look at the 1982 coming-of-age teen comedy Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hi, Zach. Hello, Stephen. So I take it that you've spent time studying the Fast Times at the Ridgemont High? I would, I mean, I crammed it the last second. Yeah, certain I part of I studied. No, actually, that, I, st- I watched it last Friday. Oh, really? Well, you watched yeah. it, I, I watched it again on Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Sunday night. Yeah. No, no, Monday night. I watched it last night. So. Oh, cool. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a refresher to go back every once in a while to movies that you loved and get to see them again. And I say it just like we said last time about uh, The Breakfast Club. So much of it I remember, and then there's so much going back and looking at this again that, oh, I forgot about that part. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, although Matthew and I will probably drop into uh, some Mr. Han Spicoli conversations later on. <laughs> Yeah, and it won't be part of the show either. It'll be actually, that will be our, that's our daily interaction. What, what Matthew doesn't know is I'm going to show up at the end of, uh, end of the night knocking on his door and say, uh, Mr. Peterson, you have wasted exactly eight hours of my time. We are going to sit down and talk about the Platt Amendment. I still want to know why all the pictures on my wall are blurred out. <laughs> now, see, that's one of the things. There's a lot more, there's a lot more nudity in this film than, I forget what the last nudity-laden film we had you watch was. Animal House? Rob. Animal House. Animal. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more nudity in this movie than in Animal House. Yes. Um, and especially in Spagoli's room where he's got, you know, the Playboy centerfolds plastered all over his wall. Yeah, I love, and I love it that, into that scene when he's walking out, it's like he finally notices, yeah. like, oh, there's naked women all over this place. And then he just shakes his head. <laughs> so, uh, Rodrigo, when did you first watch Fast Times at R- Ridgemont High? I probably, the first time I saw it, I was probably around 12 years old. Um, and it was, they aired it fairly regularly on the, I want to say Fox affiliate oh, of, yeah, yeah. uh, back when I lived in Los Angeles. Like that, you know how, you know how like local channels have like that one weekend that movie that they show, show that they play over and over. Yes. Spaceballs. Fast Times was one mm, of them. Um, and there were a couple other ones that were like, actually the Magnificent Seven was another one of them. Yeah. yeah. And it just aired constantly. Do you remember? So you got to see edited version. Born I mean, in East stuff. LA. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you got to see it all blurred out with all the words taken out with, you know, mm-hmm. really nothing going with, on as far as the, the sex department. The, uh, yes. With the, uh, sex fantasy scene, very chopped up. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, and, I, and that's what, that's the weird thing is if you watch that edited for like the TBS version, it's just like, so 
weird to see yeah. that it, it almost doesn't come off as a fantasy because it's the way it's edited. It's almost like mm-hmm. this really happened. And then suddenly he's in the bathroom and that doesn't make <laughs> any sense. And, um, yeah, so that's pretty weird. I, th- I think for me, I think I saw this on probably channel 41, Matthew, yep. uh, oh, yeah. cause I know it wasn't in, I know I didn't see it in, uh, in college, but I think I do remember seeing this. Well, maybe not. Cause geez, it probably wouldn't have been on regular television by 89. It was. it was, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was. It was one of those movies that kind of quickly made it into rotation. I don't know that it was particularly highly regarded at the time that it came out. Right. I mean, it was, it was a movie and people were like, Ooh, yeah, this sure is a movie. And it was a movie, but back then things had a different turnaround too. I mean, you yeah, could yeah. have a movie a year or two old, all of a sudden show up in common rotation on TBS. Yeah. That's how a Christmas story became a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, how did you, when did you first start watching this movie? I remember clearly I did was, you, did you see it in the theater? Old. No, God, no. Well, I was 14 years old and my friend, the stork and I knew a guy and I can't remember if it was his cousin or whatever, but he ran the VHS. Well, he worked weekends at the VHS rental place down by the river, down by the river. And we would go down there and you could rent it. But here's the thing about watching it on VHS. Even by that time, which would have been 1984, 85, there's a certain portion of the film that was really worn out from backing oh, up, sure. <laughs> playing and backing up. Which you is could really almost weird. not see anything of Phoebe Cates. Which is really weird so because bad. Phoebe Cates is topless for that one eight second tracking shot. Yeah. Right. But it's the climbing Jennifer, out of the pool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer Jason Lee is like topless like two or three times throughout the movie yeah and everybody always goes back to the phoebe kate scene uh, to parody to spoof to you know reimagine again and again to rewind again and again and again and again part of that is because of the structure of the film jennifer jason lee and rat i don't know the actor's name are the entry level characters right 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 and stacy and damone are supposed to be the ones who are wanting to try and be like the kids in the movies. And in that sequence, when he's like, oh, uh," and he's imagining her, he's buying into her trying to build her little identity. I'm doing Zach's homework now, aren't I? Anyway, (laughs) she's trying to put herself off as being grown up and worldly and an adult, mature girl. And that's what Brad's tuning into when he's... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, banging the drums slowly. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that's, I mean, that's why that scene sticks is because it is so clearly a movie-driven fantasy sequence. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I can picture it right now. No, Hang so on. can I. Um, so what's interesting about this film, and again, I didn't realize it until years later. Zach, have you seen the movie um, Almost Famous? It's about the kid who follows the rock band around the country because he's got a job writing for Rolling Stones. No, I don't think so. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. He was he was eight when that movie came out. Probably. Uh, according to kidding. IMDb, I was nope nine. <laughs> oh, good job, Matthew. So, uh, so hey, almost man, famous. So almost famous tells the story about this kid who goes to work for Rolling Stone and follow this band around 
uh, on their big tour mm. and write a big story. He's going to write a big feature for Rolling Stone. And it's a band that uh, – who are they in real life, Matthew? Um, oh, God. Leonard Skinner. Is it Leonard Skinner? Was it? It may have been uh, Skinner. It was somebody in that it's sort one of, of those. It's one Southern of those rock vein. Yeah, yeah. It was the Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers. Okay. Well, go look it up real quick. Go look it up. But anyway, uh, it's based on a true story of Cameron Crowe and what he did in getting this gig for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out while he was working for Rolling Stone, he still looked relatively young and said, hey, here's an idea, Rolling Stone. How about I go into a high school pretending to be a high school student and give you an expose on what's really going on at the high school at this time of year? And oh, it was said, the Almond Brothers. There you go, Almond Brothers. Um, so Crow went undercover at Claremont High School in San Diego, California, and wrote about the experiences, which later got picked up and turned into this movie directed by Amy Heckerling. (laughs) So what'd you think, Zach? Give us a rundown of the story and and what kind of goes on. And most importantly, what we're going to get into this week is a compare and contrast with our last coming of age film, Breakfast Club. Club. Right. So Fast Times at Ridgemont High is basically kind of set up in vignettes, I would say, about kids in high school and it takes place over the course of an entire school year and their exploration of life but done mainly through a sex and some and in some characters drugs point of view Mm -hmm. and then um they're basically two characters uh stacy and um Mike? Nope, not Mike. Mark, Mark, yeah, Rat, who are, I believe, freshmen or sophomores. Sophomores. Sophomores, and they are wanting to get into the sex scene and figure out all that good jazz. And so, then... Sorry, I'm just thinking about Linda again. (laughs) Jeez. Um, And so it's about them taking taking advice from their friends and... um, yeah, trying to have sex, and then yeah, you know what's really characters also. It's really weird, and and Adam Carolla talks about this on his podcast a lot. If you ever listen to him, he's like, there was this time period, right when, right when the disco era was dying, but right before AIDS became a deal, that he always is like, that's the best time to live because <laughs> it was just drugs and sex, drugs and sex, drugs and sex, and this falls right in that that time period, nineteen eighty to eighty two uh, time period of when it was just. Let's get, let's have sex and let's get high and let's have some crazy adventures and supposedly based on some factual events. Right. Um, so yeah, it is a little bit different from a movie that takes place four years later, uh, up in Illinois where, Mm -hmm. yeah, the drugs are still present, but the emphasis on sex, I don't think was as, as prevalent, uh, that we saw. Well, certainly references to it about being a virgin or not being a virgin, but certainly we didn't see anybody getting it on uh, in that film. Certainly not on a Saturday morning. Today, maybe that might be a little different. Um, so what do you notice? Give us some compare and contrast between this movie as a coming of age film for Stacy and for rat compared to the breakfast club. Yes. I was thinking about it and it seemed to me, watching these both once through, that Breakfast Club dealt more with the kids dealing with authority 
and their place in life and how um, the cards they've been dealt through family situations and social uh, groups and how they deal with those. And basically, I mean, somewhat trying to rebel against authority and parental guidance and stuff. And then to me, uh, Fast Times at Rangemont High was more about kids trying to be accepted um, by their peer groups and taking leads from them directly and not trying to act out against their parents, but more trying to um, fit in and take cues from those older in the high school. Okay. It's got a ring to it. Sounds about right, Rodrigo, right? Are we missing uh, something? I think, well, I think the the focus is different. I think that um, the Breakfast Club is asking the question, who am I? And Fast Times is asking the question, how do I get what I want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which are, which are very close, very similar. And that's why they're both coming of age movies. But it, it, it leaves you with a very different product. You know, the, the kids from the Breakfast Club are trying to kind of cement their identities. The kids from Fast Times, a lot of the time, are perfectly willing to abandon their identities <laughs> to get laid. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, it, they are so very different films, but still fitting into this teenage, uh-huh. into this teenage uh, well, I mean, genre. It, it's still um, teenage life. I mean, t- kids and I'm, I'm the closest uh, out of this group to being a teenager. Uh-huh. And most of my friends, some of them are actually well, still age, teenagers. I don't know about actual. <laughs> but there are, I mean, there's, um, sex is always big in high school and trying to figure that out and um, how that's going to affect your life and what it means and how to deal with it is always a, a pretty big part of high school and then just uh, with your friends and your people you interact with on a daily basis but there's also that other kind of I would say maybe not deeper but kind of emotionally deeper side of mm-hmm of growing up and mm-hmm. figuring out stuff. So, um, let me ask you this. What role does the mall play in this story? Uh, like a breeding ground. Of kids. Okay. <laughs> all right. For, for <laughs> all sorts of diseases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of right. It's, it's kind of that breeding ground because, and I don't know where kids go today. It's certainly not are the mall. Not are the mall. No. Have you been to a big Have mall? Have you been to your the oh, mall? Oh, yeah. I haven't been to our the mall. Well, actually, I did go to our the mall this uh, past weekend because I had to buy two shirts mm. at an outrageous price, I might add. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, apparently, big and tall man sizes uh, cost you quite a bit more. The only point to ever go to our the mall is for Chinese. Yes. Which is, is not a, even real Chinese. There is a, it's Dude. not. But that doesn't I don't matter. Think it's so. still good. There is an oh, inexpensive no, it's, big it's and tall store next to a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I can it's, drive. It's, it's definitely not uh, not real Chinese in, in, in the in the sense that it's you know fast food Chinese. Right, I, right. I would yeah. say that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, no, but but do you realize that most Chinese places are not real Chinese? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> yes. 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 Wait. Okay. Wait. Wait. How does that go? <laughs> most Chinese places. Are not oh my real god. Chinese places. No. <laughs> um. 
Well, you know, the mall, and I forget what movie it is. We're, we're going to go to the mall. Why? Because the mall has it all. The mall is that place where you go to be seen, the place where you go and hang out, the place where you go and socialize because you're not around mom and dad, mm-hmm. and you really that's don't have anywhere rats. else to go to. Is yeah, it mall rats? rats? Okay. Um, and that's really why the mall plays a big role in this, because everybody's working at the mall during their break times. They're interacting with one another. Um, the mall is, depending on what part of the mall you're in, kind of designates your social status, right? Because mm-hmm. here is um, uh, Phoebe Cates working at the pizza place, and that is the hot bed of, uh, of where people are going. All the hot girls work there. Jennifer Jason Lee doesn't think that she, as uh, Stacy, doesn't feel like she is meant to be at that high status. And then you look at Mark Rat- Ratner, who is the... Um, um, the ticket taker, the usher, usher. yeah, the usher at the movie theater. And he complains that, Oh, I'm way on the other end of the mall. I've been relegated to some other status. And then Mm -hmm. somewhere in between the food court and the movie theater is the arcade. And that's kind of this melting pot where you're going to see sometimes, you know, you might think it as a Mose Eisley, uh, spaceport, you know, (laughs) a den of, of scum and villainy, right? Because you're going to get the stoners, you're going to get the scalpers, you're going to get the athletes and you're getting people who are just there to have fun playing video games. And, you know, so the mall can kind of be seen as that, as that class system as well and how people interact uh, through that mall system. Uh, I find it interesting too. And this is something that even today I still have to wrap my head around is and it's, there's some other people who probably have kids enrolled in California schools is the fact that they go longer so, in the year yeah. than other schools, yeah. uh, than other school systems. And, um, I, I remember when I lived there, it was like middle of June. I'm like, why are kids still in school? Shouldn't they be going out? And then, uh, one of my friends said, no, we have, you know, like these breaks that take, you know, two or three weeks and then we go back and then it's longer. Um, but that still amazes me at the end of the film where it's like the final exam is on June 3rd. And it's like, man, I've, we've been out of school for weeks by that yeah. time. <laughs> um, the other thing that surprises me, and this may be a little bit of um, creative license in that the football game is going on well into December and January in this movie. If you think about it, yeah. Christmas has already occurred and then the big game comes uh, where they wreck the car and and get uh, mm-hmm. and get uh, Charles uh, Jefferson all fired up to beat things up, which is also a little bit weird for me. Well, I mean, if they make it into the postseason, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess they could be going that long, right? Although they they probably wouldn't be playing their rivals, right, in the postseason, right? Because they would have presumably already eliminated them. I don't know. Somebody from California will explain that part of yes. the movie to us. I am sure. The other thing that really is surprising is the actors. That we see in this film, Sean Penn, Sean Penn as Jeff Spicoli is probably, and I don't even, I haven't even looked uh, recently to see what Sean Penn's uh, thoughts are, reflections back to Jeff Spicoli. He may be at that point where he's like denies he even was in the movie. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, she's played in a couple of uh, things that I think people would know. Judge Reinhold. Um, yeah. In every movie in the nineties. Yeah. Judge Reinhold, yeah. Um, Robert. He's an actual judge now. Robert Romanus as Mike DeBone. The only other thing I've ever seen him in was in the Rockford Files as a New Jersey kid who wants to come out and be a mobster. That's I saw only- him in another movie basically playing DeBone, but I can't for the life of me what remember what the movie was. Uh, Brian Backer. Wasn't he on MacGyver? He may have been. Who knows? Um, Brian Backer was in Meatballs uh, long before this movie came out. Um, last thing that he was in was in, 
a movie called Vamps in 2012. Uh, but then we get in some real cool ones. Uh, Phoebe Cates, of course, has been around for a long time. Ray Walston, many people at this point know him as My Favorite Martian. Uh-huh. Um, Vincent Chevalier. Some people, I think, knew him, but he doesn't become more important until Ghost. The movie Ghost comes out because right. he plays the ghost that teaches, uh, what's his name, how to how to interact with objects. Nicholas Cage. No, no. not Nicholas Cage. Um, uh, Roadhouse. Yes. Patrick Swayze. Patrick yes. Swayze. Yeah, Roadhouse. He still, teaches Roadhouse. Still the thing that surprises me still today when I see it is Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A teenage Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got Nick Cage, Anthony Edwards, and Eric Stoltz as Spicoli's buds. The unnamed stoners. I love looking at those. Those like, whoa, what? Yeah, so in the in the scene when they go into All American Burger at the beginning, mm-hmm. and we see his friends that are taking off shirts. So Eric Stoltz, you would see him later in Mask, right? Or he was going to be in Mask. He was also going to be in uh, Back to the Future, I believe, and then get he was in that. Mask. He was cast as Marty yeah, McFly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Didn't make it. Anthony Edwards, of course, uh, from uh, Top Gun and uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Er. Er. And Just got then, a show uh, canceled off of TBS or something. And then this guy named uh, Nicholas Coppola. Little Nicky Coppola. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Who would later go on to uh, play Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Changed his name, though. Uh, he took he took yeah. the name of his favorite comic book character. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. And now you know the rest of the story. So it's, it's always fun to see these actors, you know, win. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when the first appearance of these yeah. characters occurred. There are like five Academy Awards just waiting in the wings of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what'd you think now about this the... movie? Didn't get them, but <laughs> no, no, no. What'd you, what'd you think about the acting, uh, Zach? Um, are they believable in their roles? Yeah. Hey, yeah, they are. Hey, listen, <laughs> that's my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was definitely, oh, one of the wackier characters that teeters on partially unbelievable yeah um but i live in kansas and i don't see very many surfers so yeah but you see stoners though i do see stoners (laughs) that's true that's true i see stone people (laughs) (laughs) and then uh as zach's leaving the ring rolls on the floor oh my god he's been stoned this entire time it's a reference to six cents i see stone people (laughs) anyway are you implying that zach no, no, no. Oh. no. What? Anyway. That explains the condom up the nose. <laughs> it was only once. <laughs> Rodrigo, acting. 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 Uh, it's, it's all pretty believable, right down to feeling really skeevy at seeing all these topless 15-year-old girls. Um, you know, everybody does like acts and looks like a high school kid. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah, And I was, that is surprising. You know, when you see movies, high school movies from the nineties and two thousands where everybody is clearly 27, you know, going back and seeing these kids who really, really do look like kids, like they're not done growing up. Yeah. yeah. Um, is pretty good. And they, I don't know. I, I think in general, everybody seems to have this like 
real palpable awkwardness, even especially, and, and, and I think that Phoebe Cates and, um, I forget the other guy's name, the, the, um, the guy who plays the scalper, they do a really, those two do a really great job of conveying someone who thinks of themselves as worldly, but Mm -hmm. really aren't Mm -hmm. in the context of the story, Mm -hmm. you know, like somebody who says wise and sage things, or they think they are, but you can tell that there's something that they don't, that there are things about the world that they don't understand. And that might be because they were pretty young at the time, but that's either good acting or good acting and good directing. So Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays Stacy, would have just been 20 when the movie was released. So she was probably mm-hmm. 19 when the mm-hmm. film was being was being made. Yeah. yeah. She's a year older than Phoebe Cates. Yeah, so Phoebe, so Phoebe would have probably Cates been about 18. 18. Now Bob mm-hmm. Romanus, who played uh, Damone, was damn near 30 when they made this movie. Yeah. Does that, does that bother you guys whenever they have people that obvi- I mean, I guess to yeah. me growing up every kid in a movie always seemed much older than they looked, right? Because they were, right? Yeah. But, you know, we look at, um, and then again, when I go back and look at yearbooks from that same time period, I'm like, these guys look like they're 35, you know? (laughs) But then today I look at these movies and I'm, and I, it doesn't affect me as much. I look at them and say, oh, well, that's somebody that's Zach's age or, you know, that's somebody that's so, so so-and-so's age. You know, I don't, and maybe that is it, but it didn't really bother me that, that much. I just Mm -hmm. assumed that, oh, all kids look like that. Yeah. Our expectation of age, I think, is another one of those things that's based uh-huh. on what we're what we're exposed to. And when I was in high school, my best friend was, and I am crapping you negative on this, a 16-year-old blonde who was part Native American and I swear to God looked like a porn star stripper at the age of 15 <laughs> and 16. Uh-huh. And when I would go and people would say, I've never seen girls who look like that in my high school, I'm like, oh, I, I know one. She yeah. does, she ain't in love with me, but you know I know one. And <laughs> yeah, I think there's, that, and I, and I think that's that's an important aspect of it. Is that there are kids who develop early, there are kids who don't develop until they're in college. And you know, if going through my yearbook, I remember there was this kid who was probably like four or five, and his freshman, like our freshman year. And the next year he came back and he was like six, five, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. just over the summer. And it's crazy when people hit their growth spurts or, you know, start growing facial hair and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most, well, most of the, most of the seniors in my school had full on bushy mustaches. I mean, mm-hmm. Rodrigo-esque, <laughs> Rodrigo-esque facial hair. Right. Cause they knew. Well, and think about this, the breakfast club last year was what? 84. 85, 85 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So Anthony Michael Hall is in that looking the weedy kid in Edward Scissorhands. Six years later, he's grown up to become Judd Nelson and he's the big meathead muscle bound guy. Yeah. In the, you know, same actor. He was what? 20 during the breakfast club and 25 during Edward Scissorhands. I mean, there are people who can get almost into their thirties. What is Alison Brie? Like 30 years old. And she still plays a convincible 21, 22. Right. You know, well, I mean, yeah. you can look at the same way if you look at Friends with, um, uh, what's her name, um, who had to be well into her 40s. Yeah, Phoebe. No, no, no. Well, Phoebe, but uh, the brunette from the Springsteen video. Um, Jennifer Aniston? No, not Jennifer Aniston. The other one. The other one. The other Monica. girl. Monica. Monica. Yeah, Cougar Town. Yeah, Cougar Town girl. 
from Misfits of Science? Yes. Yes. <laughs> she's like, you know, she's, she's she was old. like 40 plus something in that in that show. And she was supposed to be playing. No, she it. wasn't. Yeah, she was. She's pretty close. Oh, she wasn't. She's pretty close. She was not playing her age type. She uh, was Courtney not Cox. 40. She was born in 1964. Courtney Cox. Yes, Courtney Cox. That's who we're talking about. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it bought. I mean, it doesn't bother me as long as the acting is there to um, if they're not playing exactly yeah. on type. Because wasn't yeah. uh, isn't um, Pink Ranger. She was well beyond high school age when she was in Power Rangers. Amy John Johnson. I don't know that they were. Um, I think that the youngest of them was like 19. Amy Jo Johnson would have been maybe 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. Playing because she's the same age we are. Yeah, yeah. And that's and and that's the and that's the thing is you get into this like oh he looks like he's in high school or she doesn't look like she's in high school, but in the end you know these guys are actors. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's their job. Well, look look at Sean Penn. Look at every face that Sean Penn puts on. Yeah, yeah. Now, going back to what you said, though, Rodrigo, I remember watching this originally and then getting to see all the the naughty bits uh, when my friend had HBO and it happened to be on HBO late night. Oh. Um, didn't think a big deal about the nudity then, but this time when I watched it, I was like, oh, yes. hey, you know what? These kids are in high school. Yeah. And I and I felt the exact same way, even though you, you're right, Matthew um, um, Romanus, uh, Robert Romanus, yeah. who plays Mike. Obviously not no. 19 years old yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or 18 years <laughs> old. I always took him as being like that 22 year old kid who never quite got out of high school and hung around a year or two longer than yeah, he should have. Yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break here. Let us, uh, before we transition to some of the technical stuff, let's take technical a moment stuff. and thank those people who uh, made this episode happen. I'll do it in my Zach voice. Okay. This week's episode of Zach on Phil is brought to you by the... the Helpful Associations of Alexander Attia. I love that name. George Mummert, Jonathan Mickelberg, Jim Croshaw. I'm sorry, my larynx was in pain there. Alexander Almeida, who I think was on 24. Justin Higgins, Robert Taylor, Marco Selmo, Matthew Hones. Is that Hones? Yeah, Jones. And George White. <laughs> proud. They're proud something. Proud spoiler rights all. There we go. Of Zach. Oh, you got to love yes. these technical proud, difficulties. Proud, <laughs> proud, proud husband. Dignity. Mu- music, Zach. Yeah. Tell me I about the music. Music was very upbeat and poppy. Picka, picka, pow. Anything what? else? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it got sad at one point. <laughs> 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 I hate you so much, Zach. <laughs> Matthew, please educate you young please, Zach please on the music of Fast Times at Ridgemont. First of all, it wasn't really sad. It was like super sad. Oh, my bad. And second of all, this is another one. And I think much like Animal House, the music used here is music designed to just kind of grab a zeitgeist and stuff it in your face. Because so many of these songs are now, at least for you know those of us who are around, these are the songs that define our lives. Right. The the living in stereo when Phoebe Cates is walking and reaching for the clasp on her bikini. That song is now associated with masturbation fantasies. 
to the point where I can name two or three different places where I've seen it in other contexts used specifically to call back to that moment. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not a like a, a great deal of super iconic don't you forget about me's here. Right. Mm-hmm. But all of the music is oh so very 80s. This is another one where I think that this movie is so early 80s that it is actually superseded what the early 80s were really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like that Saturday Night Fever vibe, where I don't know if that ever actually happened, but that's what people think of when they think of 1983. Uh, Rodrigo, anything else you want to add to uh, the music conversation? This music is a little bit older than you are. Uh But I think personally that, again, when we're talking about time periods, this is music that is just like with... um, Animal House. Mm-hmm. This is music that defines that period. And you see Go-Go's and Tom Petty and Led Zeppelin. All this mm-hmm. stuff is mm-hmm. is just right on track for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys have watched The the Wedding Singer. Oh, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. The Wedding Singer, like, beats you over the head with 80s music, right? It's <laughs> like, this is the 80s. This is the 80s. This is, but, you know, if you... Listen to the fat the 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 soundtrack for Fast Times at, at Richmond High. This is the eighties. Yeah, um, that's you know, what we call music. Yeah, they've they've got you know, and and the thing about it is is that there, it's not just strictly super eighties stuff. You know, they've got some Stevie Nicks, for example, which mm-hmm. you know Fleetwood Mac is is coming from a, a previous decade um, into the eighties. Um, and, uh, they do play that, uh, raised on the radio song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they, they, do they play it more than once? Cause it, it got really stuck in my head. Mm, I, I don't know about that. I know, I know that they played, uh, somebody's girl, the Jackson mm-hmm. Brown song, somebody's baby. I know they played they that must, a lot. Wasn't that like Linda's theme? Yes. Or late motif. Stacy's theme, yeah. Uh, but raised on the radio, or I... are gonna go get late motif. <laughs> I think they only played that once. Either way, man, it's hard to remember because sometimes your mind wants to tie things together. Yeah. So, I'm gonna say, yes, you're right. You are right, Rodrigo. Correct. A plus for you. Star. Correct. So what about the, uh, what about the uh, cinematography, Zach? What do you notice that's different? about this film compared to maybe some other films that you've seen? Hmm. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell me? (laughs) And I will confirm. A dropped a whole letter Uh, grade right there. uh, Nothing nothing really stood out. You had him, and then you lost him. Dang it. Oh, so close. A couple of things that I think uh, are are pretty important here to look at. Not very many setups, right? I mean, they're not doing a lot of coverage in in their shots. When you're in a class and Spicoli and Mr. Hand are having their conversation, you cut back to the classroom. Yeah. All the classroom cutaways to that wide shot are all from the same point of view, are all from that door corner part of the room uh, looking mm-hmm. back. Even the parts where he's telling him to come up and grab um, some pizza, you're not moving that ca- that camera too much further into the classroom past that door. Um, and then also not a lot of, of super close-ups except in those moments where it really matters. Right. Um, you know, the, the close-up is used for big impact where everything else is pretty much a medium shot. 
uh, and wide shot throughout mm -hmm. the film so that you can capture the scope of this time period that we are talking about, which is what wide shots really should be used for. Landscapes, time periods, you know, that kind of stuff. Settings uh, type environments. Land periods. Land periods, timescapes, uh, the whole. Uh, land shark. Yes. Pizza Man. Time, timescape, also probably a pretty good movie from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. I watched, also that, a great I watched that the other day. Man. Um. <laughs> My band is all timescape. Also notice that, you know, even though we're talking about Nicolas Cage and um, Eric Stoltz and Anthony Edwards, they're really cut off. I mean, they're nobodies at this point, right? Yeah. But look at how that, that All-American Burger um, conversation goes. And there's some weird framing in that because they're shooting on location, right? Mm -hmm. you, where you can't get these big cameras getting a lot of those angles that you want. Uh, I will say that I've been to that location. I've oh, been really? to that a hamburger restaurant. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a hamburger. It's a hamburger. It's thing. a hamburger restaurant, uh, and they do make a big deal. I've seen in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, but um, had you been seen in Ridgemont High? Yes. Um, uh oh, I think we lost Matthew. Oh, I think we lost uh -oh. everybody. No, I'm oh. here. I'm oh, okay. back. All I'm right. good. All right. Yeah, so many technical things this week. Um, oh, sadly, All American Burger has been closed. Uh, closed, what, two uh, years ago? Shoot. Uh, it's now an In N Out Burger. Yeah, probably. I'm going to whine. <laughs> um, what else about this? Anything else uh, that stands out visually there, Rodrigo or Matthew, that you want to add as far as the shooting techniques go? I mean, if you look, I mean, if you're looking at just stark starkness of this film mm -hmm. they're not they're not sugarcoating the imagery at all until you get into that dream sequence and then let's bloom this thing up oh, let's yeah. have the water falling so that the sky lights up behind phoebe and they really do that dream sequence yeah. well as far as a as a change in visual, visual. perspective of of the film but and what else notably so i think that one of the fascinating parts for me is the I don't know if I'd call it the plainness, but the straightforwardness of the storytelling, for lack of a better word, makes it feel almost kind of documentary-like. Like we weren't necessarily staging this. We just stuck a camera in the corner of the room and this stuff with Mr. Hand happened. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think that that kind of that naturalistic approach really adds to, A, the reason why it sticks with people because it feels like a memory uh, did I tell you about this guy Spicoli I went to high school with? But it also ties the whole thing together as, I think, more authentic. Not necessarily that removal that you have when you're watching a movie and it's clearly set in, you know, space or, I don't know, the Power Rangers laboratory, whatever you're looking at. And uh, if I may kind of uh, transition here, uh, aside from that, from the fact that basically it's all shot from that height of somebody who is either sitting there or standing there watching this, mm -hmm. um, the editing also kind of makes it feel like a documentary. Um, mm -hmm. There are no wipes or transitions or anything like that. And if you notice, at the end of a lot of scenes, there are pauses. Like, it's not mm -hmm. like thing happens, cut away to something else. Right, right. Um, there are not a lot of sound stingers in between either. It's like thing happens... Awkward teenage pause, next scene. <laughs> yep. Well, and you're right, mm, Rodrigo. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of takes a little bit of that documentary approach because true story, right? Or yep. lifted from a yeah. true story. So what Based about the editing? Then? How does that how does that tie into the editing, Zach? 
I don't know, Rodrigo. Why don't you tell me and I'll see if I agree with you. I think that Rodrigo probably knows this. I'm just going to let him take it now. No, I'm sure. I'm sure Zach talking like this. I'm sure Zach has some great insight about the editing. Now Stephen looks at me condescendingly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm smiling. I'm sitting here waiting for your answer. Yeah, uh, it's not like I'm Mr. Hand knocking on your door and saying, "Zach, we're going to sit down and watch spot. this film no, I'm together." Sure that'll, that'll and I'm going to point soon. out everything in the film to you. Uh, no, that's coming. Although we soon, could, though. that would be coming, coming soon. soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, editing uh, seemed to be pretty straightforward. Cut back and forth like a conversation style. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. Reaction mm-hmm. shot. Go to the class. Mm-hmm. Go to. I would, standard. I would love to find out what the shooting ratio of this is. Uh, Just because I'm betting that it is it is super low. I bet it's got to be a three to one, four to one ratio of and film ratio. Uh, the shooting ratio for people that don't know is the amount of film shot to the amount yeah. of film used because they don't they don't spare a lot of. Let's cut away to this. Let's cut away to that. Yeah. Let's get this low angle. Let's get this high angle. This is very you know cut and dried. It it almost seems very not. It almost seems formulaic where, hey, let's just get in and get this out. This yeah. is going to be a nothing of a movie. And yeah. let's just let's get it shot, chopped and up on the screen so that we can make some money off of these kids. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, in 2005, Fast Times at Ridgemont High selected for preservation of the United States National Film Registry of the Library of Congress, Congress for being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. Mm-hmm. And by aesthetically, they mean Phoebe Cates topless. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's I mean, there's something about that look. Of capturing oh, that Phoebe time Kate's period. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm not arguing. Definitely. And you do have a point. And I think that, you know, I mentioned it before, and I think it's still true, is these movies become the expectation that you have about what that time was like. Not just mm-hmm. Zach, who wasn't alive then, but even you and I, who were 10 or 12, Fast Times at Ridgemont High feels like, to me, a movie about the 80s. It wasn't what I did in the 80s. It wasn't, right. you know, my 80s per se, but it was the 80s. It was something mm-hmm. that everyone in that time frame in my high school shared. Everybody knew a guy who thought he was Spicoli. I never thought I was Spicoli. I wanted to be Damone until I realized that Damone was a dirtbag. Mm. But, you know, you don't recognize necessarily that Damone is a dirtbag when you're 14, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can definitely see the the cultural significance of it in that, in many ways, it's more 80s than the real 80s. Yeah. Even though this is that, this is that turning point where it's still almost, almost the, the 70s. Yeah. The 70s. Yeah. 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 It's going it's to be fascinating. You know, we've mentioned about this other podcast that we're working for our members only section. It'd be interesting then to look at um it'd be interesting to look at american pie in that mm-hmm. in that um other show just to kind of uh talk about it because i don't i mean it's i mean i think there's some cultural significance to american pie but right. i don't think it's i don't think it ranks up there maybe i'm wrong uh, i right. don't think it ranks up there with fast times or breakfast club as far as that coming of age movie uh you mean as far as quality yeah I'd say I'd say American Pie is, um, you know, shot for shot, uh, uh, you know, as good of a, of a movie as Fast Times. Okay. Honestly, I think that any time that you like, if you're a, a child of the '80s, 
Fast Time is going to be a lot more relevant to you if you're a child of the 90s. American Pie is going to be a lot more, you know, I don't know, can't hardly wait. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I think when we look, if, if we look at it, and I think we probably will look at it in the other podcast series, mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to sit down and just walk walk through it as we watch. What is, what is interesting about American Pie is that it was considered very raunchy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's like, if you compare the amount of nudity and the amount of time that we spent on basically boobs, I would say that it's a lot lower in American Pie. And I think a big part of that is what you talked about earlier, is that American Pie was created post-AIDS scare in a world that was still trying to move away or maybe not trying too hard to move away from that, what that created, which is this like sudden puritanical like mm-hmm. cleanliness surge of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I don't – it's just something about the 80s in general that there was the conservative uh, – I don't want to say lashback. You know, it, it's yeah. – but there was a lot of conservatism that jumped into films in the mm-hmm. 90s. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I mean by the time you end with Porky's and the Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy Beverly Hills Cop movies that have nudity, um, even you know Terminator with uh, Linda Hamilton there. You know, by the yep. time you get past and you hit probably 88, 89 – Maybe it would coincide with a new change in leadership in the nation. Boom, you're hitting conservativeville. I mean, even though Reaganism oh, yeah. was was going strong, I mean, by the time you hit Bush era, man, things dried up. And then all even, of a sudden, even in the Reagan era, we had you know Edwin Meese and a huge expectation and condemnation of sexuality in the media. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a direct response. To the end of the seventies, and you know the the sexual revolution yeah, and yeah. the consequences yeah, being, of the eighties being over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you look at this movie as compared to American Pie, I think that American Pie has many of the same signposts. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. it. it has many mm-hmm. of the same expectations. Oh, yeah, and many of those same laid. moments. It, yeah, it yeah. practically has some of the same scenes. Yeah, 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 and many of the same characters. If oh, you yeah. If you look at Stifler, Stifler is in many ways just a slightly more genre savvy Spicoli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, not even necessarily as an homage, just sort of a Spicoli, the Spicoli, has become a character type. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll look, investigate that more in the future. But right now, Zach, mm-hmm. what are you going to take from Fast Times at Rich? Oh, I got to ask this question. Every week I ask this question. Yes. Did your girlfriend watch this with you? No, she didn't. Why not? I didn't tell her I was watching it. Oh, okay. She's already seen this one. Yeah, <laughs> this is her personal favorite. <laughs> Somehow. I don't think so. She She's in love with Phoebe. She not believe me at all. <laughs> so, uh, she has the same fascination with that scene as Matthew does. <laughs> hey, you can mock me all you want. But she was 19 and I was 14 and we had uh-huh. something very special. Uh-huh. Yes, that oh, summer no. of I, I can VHS. imagine. Phoebe Cates helped me out of childhood and right into adultery, <laughs> let me tell you. You know, the, it's it's interesting because I went back and watched this movie and I was like, where do I know her from? And why do I think of her as this like really neurotic person? And then I was like, oh, Gremlins. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I then forgot. my father climbed down the chimney and died. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. I, and I love her character in Gremlins. Yes. You just want to be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phoebe oh. Cates has been uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, remember, yes. remember in uh, what's her imaginary friend movie? 
Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. Right said Fred. Right said Fred, yes. Um, That's right too sexy Fred. for the psychiatrist, yes. Um, so, Zach, <laughs> what are you taking away from Fast Times at Ridgemont High? It's funny because it's true. <laughs> Gonna let Matthew giggle himself out. That's okay. Good luck with that, Mister. They've been trying to do that for five years. (laughs) I'm a real fan of the show. (laughs) Um, what I'm gonna take away from Fast Times is, well, I mean, taking away that we looked at the cinematography. Stephen talked about that. Um, how they can still tell a convincing and engaging story by not really showing a whole lot and not getting tight and close until yeah. you know special things are on screen and whatnot. And being able to tell that can um help especially if you're shooting tighter tighter schedules, quicker mm-hmm. quicker projects. I didn't look and see what the shooting days were was on this. But I'm gonna bet it was pretty it's short. Probably pretty short. Yeah. And so looking at how they did that and still being able to tell a convincing and engaging story is a big takeaway. And then, and then editing around that and um, still making a quality film. You know, it's really awesome, Zach. What's that, Matthew? When I was in high school, mm-hmm. CBS optioned this as a weekly TV show. Oh, I remember that. Oh, really? And uh, this is awesome. Damone was played by Dr. McDreamy. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Wow. I can't remember who played Stacy, but it was somebody famous-ish. Hmm. Or famous adjacent. Maybe somebody from uh, 90210 or something. Jenny Garth, I don't remember. My brain, you know, puts things together. But I wanted to right. share that with you because it had Mr. Hand in it and uh, Vincent Chevelli oh. as well, which is pretty awesome. Courtney Thorne-Smith played Stacy in the yes! television show. Yes, from Allie McBeal. From uh, Melrose Place. Yeah. Yeah, the wow. one who isn't Courtney Cox, I get them confused. Yes, exactly. Courtney Thorne Coxsmith and Dean Cameron is Jeff Spicoli. Dean Cameron? Yep. Aren't those the names of the boys from uh, Supernatural? No, those are the uh, ones from uh, Mbop. Uh, oh, right. Dean Cameron name? played Superman. From Lois and Clark, Dean Cameron. Yes, Dean that, that one. All right. Um, I was being serious, jerk. <laughs> okay. I'm it's, trying to think why I know the name Dean Cameron, and Stephen's all like, "Yes, fine, you're very funny." <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta give that to Stephen. <laughs> usually, when you start with, "Wasn't that the?" It's usually not meant to be serious. Oh, whose side he, are you? He on? played a Dave in Ski School and Ski School Two. Oh, Ski School. <laughs> Rodrigo, you joke. I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> I totally remember Ski School. <laughs> it was a good movie. <laughs> Man, I'm looking at the list of these movies, and these are... Yeah. I, really, I really wish that I had known about the movie Ski School back when I oh, could man. speak English you're, that well. You were talking so I could about, have called it Ski School. Yes, you're talking about, uh, you're talking you're about uh, raunchy teenage movies. Mm. Uh, other movies that uh, he's played in... Uh, as far back as 2004, The Curse of the Hideous Gimp. <gasps> Good lord. They made a movie about... No, that'd be too rude to finish that. Grade oh, time, Zach. It's time for your grades. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling very good on this one. What are you, on dope? 
Rodrigo? Are still convinced everyone is on <laughs> You know what? If, you know, instead of comparison, and so this is the thing, you know, when you hit the end and they're showing you the, uh, the flash of what happened, if you think about it, um, Animal House and Fast Times at Ridgemont High have more in common than Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Breakfast Club do. Oh, yeah. Oh, in the yeah. terms of how the story is told, the themes, the general overall themes of the story, um, editing pace style, music. All of that, uh, there's a greater tie between those two. So I'm surprised, Zach, you didn't mention that at all. But, Rodrigo, what grade are we giving Zach this week? Are you giving Zach this week? I think that um, Zach maybe got a little bit too drawn into the the film, mostly because he has just been in high school and was very confused about why high school people were doing this, like surfing. Um, Zach has never heard of surfing before. <laughs> he doesn't know who and Brooke think, Shields is. Yes, he doesn't know who Brooke Shields is. Probably has no idea who um, Van Halen is. Right. False. Um, oh, he loves uh, Sammy Hagar. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that uh, I, I think that I'm not going to uh, not going to flunk him for the year on this one. But it it, it really seems that Zach wasn't uh, didn't have his analyzing hat on for this one. Matthew? I think he'll squeak by. The thing about... Bad. Yeah, the, th- the thing about it is this is an engaging film on a very visceral level. And you come out of this, you know, and you want to go, way to go, Hamilton! You get that from this film. So I can definitely see being, you know, kind of drawn into the, the Rococo and not remembering to take the time to associate plus i have also occasionally forgotten the deadline for the podcast and have no idea what i mean to say about the stuff so i'll give you c minus i was also going to say c minus (laughs) now from steven that's your lowest grade from me that's actually your highest grade yet Oh, so you, I'm just saying, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> he's been getting F pluses for a while now. Jeez. <laughs> Click. Oh, man. You know, I, so one more thing about this movie, thinking back about uh, handing things out and getting grades. Um, so much. I think there's so much humor that is lost on Zach for sure. And maybe Rodrigo. Because they've never, Matthew, had the pleasure of mimeograph sniffing. I looked it up. <laughs> actually, I actually I did because um, he grew up in the past. I did grow up in the past. Um, you know, at at any given point, Mexico is anywhere from oh, one right. to ten yeah. years behind on things. So yeah, we yeah. did have mimeographs. Oh, I just remember you get that wet stack, and if you got the wet stack as you're handing it back, that was a good thing. Yeah, yeah but I, but yeah. but I did watch it's a really this good movie. stack, dude. I did watch this movie this week uh, with with my girlfriend, and I had to explain that to her. Oh, really? Okay. All really? Right. I, I saw that, and I was like, what the hell are they How doing? Long <laughs> and then I, I looked it up. I looked it up today. I was like, that makes more sense. Oh, yeah, That yeah. makes sense. Good, talking about good times, good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. All right. So um, I That's suppose... If someone wants to pick up uh, a copy of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, what should they do, Zach? They should head on over to Majorspoilers.com. And right there on the top of the page, they will see a clickable link to Amazon. And that will take them right to the site where they can do all their shopping. 
pick up a copy of Fast Times of Ridgemont High and analyze it better than I apparently did. And then a little bit of that money will come back to us while not charging you any extra at all. Or if people want to work ahead, Matthew, next week, we're going to be taking and really spinning Zach's head around with... uh, Platoon. No, Spike Lee's... Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to be evil to the Zack. (laughs) I don't know so much as evil as probably he's going to come in with a lot of questions. Well, and that's cool. And that's fine. Some of us spent the 90s trying to find ourselves. Some of us spent the 90s pooping our diapers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then there was Some that. of us, like Stephen, did both. <laughs> oh, man. After I watched you do the right thing for the first time, I remember getting that on VHS, popping it in, going, holy cow, what does this mean? And yep. I had to watch it a couple yep. of times, if for nothing else than Rosie Perez. So next time, well, do the right thing. And in the near future. And that's going to wrap it up for Zach on Film this week. Thanks for listening uh, to us talk about films. And make sure to come back next week as we talk Spike Lee and more movies on Zach on Film. Zach on Film.